Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI's C-Suite Conversations. I'm Chris Dubois, Executive Vice President of the America's Protein Practice. I'm new to the C-Suite Conversations, but I've been instrumental in this episode because it focuses not only on my practice area of protein, but because it focuses on one of my passions, which is sustainability. At IRI, we leverage forward-looking insights to help companies in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets grow their business. Our purpose is to reinvent how people make decisions, take action, and optimize performance by unifying technology, analytics, and data. At IRI, we're about smarter decisions, faster action, and exceptional performance. As part of that effort, we regularly share our thought leadership, helping companies tackle the most pressing challenges and opportunities within our industry. This episode of our C-Suite Conversation Series offers insights into sustainable protein as it's practiced today and what it will look like tomorrow. What really intrigues me about these two companies is that their sustainability strategy ultimately is something the consumer can understand. And these companies have built their entire approach around sustainability that focuses on something consumers understand and it has meaning for the consumers. Our special guests today are two notable leaders in the protein space who are also at the forefront of sustainability initiatives. Simon Limmer is Chief Executive of Silverfern Farms Limited, New Zealand's leading producer and marketer of grass-fed beef, lamb, and venison. Silverfern's Farms branded products are available in about 60 countries. Company is focused on the fast-changing global market and responding to consumer demand through nature-based production systems. Prior to Silver Fern Farms, Simon worked with the world's leading kiwi fruit marketer, Zespri, including such roles as Chief Operating Officer, General Manager of China, and General Manager of Supply Chain. Simon also worked for the French multinational company Veolia for 16 years, which operates globally in the fields of water, waste management, and energy services. So you can see, sustainability has been foundational to his career. And Joe O'Connor is Applegatarian in Chief. That means president of Applegate, which Hormel acquired in 2015, leading the company's mission-based portfolio of the leading natural organic meat brand. Joe has been with Hormel since 2006, but moved to Bridgewater, New Jersey to join Applegate in 2020. Joe is responsible for driving the company's mission, changing the meat we eat and overseeing Hormel's emerging brands portfolio. Joe's married and has a five-year-old daughter. He's also an avid traveler, so there's some fun in store for his daughter. And he also collects first edition books, which I think is a nice nod to sustainability. His daughter is in luck with that hobby too, because some of his prized books include a 1952 Charlotte's Web and other classic children's books. He's four books shy of completing his collection of Hemingway first editions. So a little shout out to other collectors in the audience. Now it's my pleasure to turn this conversation over to KK Dave, IRI's president of CPG and retail thought leadership. KK, over to you. Thank you, Chris, and welcome, uh, Joe and Simon. Before we jump into the business case of sustainability, uh, I would love to kind of start from a personal lens, right? How do you define sustainability, Simon? And how does that play in your personal life? Let's just start with you, Simon, if that's okay. Thanks, KK. 
Look, I mean, sustainability is a word that that we hear all the time. It's it's overused, and in fact, it's a word which is quite emotive. People get a little bit sick of hearing about it, but it's also a, a principle which has been, in my experience, around for a number of decades. Its momentum, obviously, in the last decade or so, as climate change has been the real driver and the real, uh, I guess, motivation for for people to to think a bit differently about the environment in particular. But for me. The way that I think about sustainability from a business perspective is very much around the three pillars of you've got to be economically viable, you've got to make sure that you're giving back to the environment rather than just taking, and ultimately there needs to be some social equity in, in the way that you're operating as well. So those three components really resonate for me when I, when I step back from it a little bit. People tend to gravitate towards the environmental component, but those other two are just as critical. At, at a personal level, um, I think that the way that we are thinking and acting and consuming these days has changed because of uh, a greater awareness. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, the way that I think about energy use, the way that I think about water use, the way that I think about, um, you know, the vehicle that I drive, for example, I, I do have a hybrid vehicle these days. All of those things are shifting a little bit incrementally as, as I see better options. But probably the bigger issue for me is that I've got a couple of teenage kids and I feel a, you know, a weight of responsibility of um, making an impact that is going to be beneficial to future generations. And so the work that we're doing at Silver Fern Farms, and I guess more broadly uh, around the world, um, feels really meaningful to me. And I would suspect your two teenage kids are probably far, far more sustainable than you are in terms of their usage practices. Yeah, shower usage is probably a poor example, but uh, yeah, they, they are certainly more aware. I think the conversations they have with their peers um, means that they are, you know, they're more focused on, on this issue than what we were a generation or, or two back. So it's clear that, you know, things are changing. Yeah, and Joe, how about you? Yes, thank you, KK. Well, I can build a little bit on what Simon says because we are definitely in alignment on a couple of his key points. I do think though, for me, you know, sustainability means different things to different people, but I am fully in the camp that it's really about meeting the needs or demands today without compromising the future. I think that has always been one of the cleanest statements when it comes to sustainability. I think though, it's more about outside of just environmental impact and the health of our planet. It's also about human health. I think it's about the social impact that we have on each other and also here at Apple you know, it's about improving the lives of the animals. And so um, on a personal uh, note, you know, it's been a bit of a journey for me going in the way, way back machine. Um, you know, as I worked my way through college, I had full-time roles at a, at a natural grocer where I was assistant store manager, a meat cutter, then found my way over to one of our customers today, Albert's Organics, UNFI. And I got exposed to all these incredible brands. And at that time, if you go back, which is almost 20 years and dating myself, certainly you saw the rise of these brands and the impact making. And I've been on a journey since then. And that has led to through the birth of my daughter, who is five now and making our decisions, our purchasing um, and the way that we've really shaped our life around making sure that, you know, we provide her with the best products and diet possible. So. Great. Five-year-old is, uh, is, is lots of fun. Hey, um, I think you both touched upon it already, but uh, can you talk a little bit more about how have you um, changed your business model from a sustainability or including sustainability 
in, in, in the way you produce your products and distribute your products. So Joe, I'll start with you and then we'll sure. go to Simon. So, yeah, so Apple Green, it's been in green since the start, since 1987 when this company was founded. And there was not a lot of processed meats out there that were antibiotic free. And people have always had questions or concerns around meats. And that really goes to the heart about why Apple was founded. And as we look at our mission, you know, we are continuously look for best ways to produce meats, uh, both smartly and sustainable and sustainable. And then that has focused on continuing to be advancing antibiotic free meats organic meats, and then now with our latest adventure into regenerative agriculture. And so you look at now where the category was from back in 87 today, it's now a $3 billion category when you look at antibiotic-free meats. And our network of farmers and our partners, our ranchers, has grown from just a handful to over 4,000 today. And that shows the progress um, as we've moved along the sustainability journey. We've seen also, I think all of us uh, have seen the rise and awareness specifically around environmental impact, around what food and meat production has to climate change. And it's really become a mainstream concern. That's a really good thing. And it's only going to increase. I would say though, of Applegate, we also don't wanna limit our sustainability thinking just in environmental terms. There's an, ex our experience tells us that our consumers associate sustainability with what we want to focus and improve our better better areas to improve upon, which is health of the planet, health of humans, and of course, uh, animal welfare. And so, um, and, that, and that journey continues as you look through the years and our move into organics and recently into regenerative agriculture. It does go against some, you know, the plant-based movements. And the reality is that people are telling you the only path to sustainability, you hear a lot of this, is through plant-based only. But really the reality is the usage of full-time plant-based only diets is less than 10%. So if you have 90% of consumers that are still eating meat, we want to tell the different side of the story because we believe in meat at Applegate. We still believe there's a pathway forward and it can be done sustainable through sustainable practices. Got it. Simon? How would you kind of define or include sustainability from a business model perspective? Well, I mean, first of all, I'd, I'd like to say it's music to my ears hearing hearing Joe talk about the market and talking about, you know, where the, the role of good red meat production fits because it certainly has a role in our, in our food production systems and consumers are looking for it. The plant-based conversation is a really um, important one for us. We might talk a bit about that later, but the, the, I guess just in terms of how our business has evolved, it's important to know that um, a couple of things. One is that New Zealand uh, is a long way from the markets. We have quite a unique environment. We're very isolated geographically, but we have really beneficial growing conditions for grass and, you know, with a lot of rainwater, good warm temperature, great soil. Um, and so that means our production systems are a little bit different than most of the rest of the world. Uh, and the second thing is that we've been doing this for a long time. Our first export of frozen meat was in 1882, and it was the actual first export of frozen uh, meat from, from around the world. Now, we needed to do that because we're so far, we have to travel to the market. So for a long period of Silverfern Farms history, we've been a very production-oriented business, probably until about 10 or 15 years ago. It was all about growing good meat and then 
exporting and selling it, but we didn't have a particularly strong connection to the end market and the end consumer. We were just sort of putting our meat into what was a, a very big sea of red meat um, protein or protein in general. Uh, and we weren't really telling our story about our production systems. And so coming back to the uniqueness of the way that New Zealand produces, we're almost exclusively 100% grass fed. Uh, and that's, you know, that's quite different than what the rest of the world does to, to produce red meat. Not everyone, but, but most of the world. And, and so that production system means that we've got some really natural advantages, the way the animals roam free, the way that they graze, the fat content of those animals. It's a slightly different proposition than what the average American consumer would consider to be um, red meat. Um, and so that production system is really important for us. About 10 years ago, we realized if we were going to be successful, we had to get closer to the market. We really had to understand those consumers. We had to partner with companies like Applegate to ensure that we had a connection and we could tell our story much more um, loudly about why New Zealand's a bit special and why those meat products are, are a bit different. And so we've been doing that for about 10 years, but then that's also told us that we have to go further. And the consumer is expecting for us to have real integrity about our food production systems, ensure that we are encompassing um, animal welfare, social equity, um, that there is a more of a regenerative um, feel to what we're doing. That's the opportunity for us out of New Zealand. So we do a lot and have done a lot for a long, long time. Now we have to go further. And that means that sustainability has become the center of what we do rather than an activity which sat, sat out on the periphery. Mm -hmm. And for us, coming to that realization in the last few years has really changed the capability of the business, the way that we think about our farmer relationships, our consumer relationships, how we measure the overall footprint of what's quite a big business. I mean, we're 7,000 people. How we think about the, the social circumstances for the people who work for us. Uh, and that led us to a, a position in the last year where we redefined our purpose uh, and now we talk about silver fern farms as creating goodness from the farms the world needs. That's quite different for us than, than the way that we were very supply driven in the past. We're still farmers, but we're really thinking about what the world needs through a different lens. And that means that sustainability sits right at the core of, of how we think today. It's very interesting what both of you said. The one question that's kind of going through my mind is, you know, I'm sure in business, we have to keep making trade-offs. So when you say, hey, we're concerned about the health of the planet, the humans, the animal, like how do you trade off? Or in your case, uh, Simon, I think you were talking about the farmers, the consumers, environmental footprint. It's, it's a tough trade-off thing. So Joe, if you don't mind starting and Simon, kind of talk to us about really, you know, how does the trade-off work in a day-to-day -day way? Yeah, so KK. Fair question, because you, you're right, in everything we do, resources are limited, whether it's finances, people. Um, for us, though, at Applegate, though, we do focus on, can we scale it? Can we really build it? Can we be leaders in the space? And so as you look at some areas that we continue to push forward in, again, originally with antibiotic-free meats into organic and now latest into regenerative agriculture, it's can we lead? And that drives a lot of our decisions because we want to make an impact. We want to make a difference. And I think when you look, there are, there, there are numerous analogies you can use. The one I use with our team is 
either we want to dip our toe in the water or we want to jump all the way into the lake. And if we're going to jump all the way in, we understand that it's going to be a huge swim across and we may not be all the way to the shore yet, but we understand if we're going to make, if we're going to move along this path, can we make a difference? And a lot of times is you, we talk to consumers, we understand where the market is today and then the role can we play, including the education, including the investment, because at the end of the day, it's really about people, planet, animals for us. Simon, uh, how, how would you describe the, the trade-offs that you guys make on a day-to-day basis? Uh, look, I, I think Joe just summed it up. Once you've got to be in the lake and you've got to be swimming and you've got to be committed to getting to the other side. You can't, you can't get halfway and then give up and, and you can't dip your toe in because neither of those are sufficient. It's about leadership. And I think Joe used that, that very word. You have to really show the commitment and leadership is painful and lonely and you get ridiculed. Um, but the reality is that's, that's what you have to do. Um, and that means that the tough decisions around, you know, should we be taking coal out of our, uh, our, our infrastructure? Uh, yes, now or later, the answer is now. And the sooner that you make that commitment and start swimming, the sooner you'll get to the other side and, and, and realize that the others are left behind. So for me, that leadership um, will, will pay dividends longer term, but you have to be committed to it. I think secondly for us, given the, the size of our, um, our value chain, you know, we have 13,000 farmers who supply us. We have uh, 7,000 people who work in our, in our plants, 14 plants across New Zealand and we export to, to 60 countries, there are pockets of leaders in those communities as well that we need to really um, you know, bring to the fore, show mm-hmm. that there are progressive um, people in our communities who, who are making the same commitments that we are and building real momentum around that change. Change is iterative, but it gathers momentum as you see people leaning into it. Uh, and you know, so so for us, there is a there is a shift in the New Zealand production environment, whereby, you know, what I what I described earlier, we would say that we were already pretty good about the way that we go about our farming, but we have to get better, and we have to think about regenerative practices. We have to think about climate emissions. Methane is a is obviously a big issue for us. Forty eight percent of New Zealand's greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture. That's an issue for us to show leadership on. We have to make change uh, in that space. Uh, so, so all of those um, those issues uh, are painful to lean into, but you have to be committed. Uh, and I think you know the way that Joe summed it up: get in the water and swim, and don't don't stop. Yeah, and 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 hold your shareholders right. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you, need, you need to be cognizant of your shareholders too, from a profitability and business perspective. Joe, you, you you need the balance. Look, you need to balance business, and you also have to balance for us our mission. And our mission, our culture, our people, they're all tied together. And so you may pick something um, and include a huge investment into grow, and it may not be fruitful, may not have returns. We've moved in some spaces that we haven't been successful. I don't consider that a failure because we're always pushing. And the only way for us to grow on the meat side is to grow these systems is you got to show the demand, you got to show Tell the supplier, like, this is where we're going. And so some things will win, some things will, you know, be a loss at the end of the day. So yes, yes, results matter. They will always matter. But there's also the difference that you can make. And that's where mm-hmm. consumers are today. People are looking to see which companies are going to step up and uh, who is going to make a difference. And 
you know, I still think COVID allowed people to get into the, the Netflix world of documentaries and they started to doing more research and online has absolutely exploded because my search words today have changed for what I can look for. And that has all in the last three years just, just exploded our business and people are starting to ask more questions. And so, and that's, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. Want yeah. To. yeah. You mentioned companies who, who would you, uh, who else besides the two of you, right? Your companies are kind of ahead in terms of sustainability or, or leading sustainability mission. From my perspective, there are a lot of good, there's a lot of good going on today and both within food from our current retail partners to, to peer brands, to even some of the bigger companies such as our parent company, Hormel Foods that are making big commitments within the space. They're setting their goals, they're making big investments. And then you go to the brand level and I look at our sister company, uh, Justin's, Justin's, they've done uh, this past year, they announced a 30% reduction in their plastic. Mm. That's a huge impact. But then you can go to a more mainstream brand like Planners, who did an 8% reduction in plastic, but it's 220 tons of plastic saved. So you start to add it all together and you start to see these, these wins of, of both our you know peer companies as well as our retailers, Whole Foods making commitments and Walmart, Target. And the list is on and on. Um, and it's really good to see. Now you've got to see the action. Some of those goals are out in the future. So we'll see the results when they come because, you know, summer 2030 by 2035. But I see KK a lot of good going on, especially when you walk the floor of Expo this past year. So much to me was focused on sustainability. Yes, there was new items, but you looked at the packaging and and what people were, you know, there for. Um, I was really impressed. And it's, it's a good feeling to know that these people were all working on this common goal together. Simon, can you add some global perspectives from the Far East and elsewhere that you guys are doing business in? Yeah, look, I, I think the trends are the same. I think the pace of change um, is a little bit different. I think one of, one of the things that we will experience over the next, you know, midterm, whatever it is, 12 months, hopefully not a lot longer than that, the next couple of years, we're seeing inflationary pressures. We're seeing, you know, the cost of energy. We're seeing the, the cost of finance. Uh, all of the impacts that consumers are feeling and businesses are feeling, uh, that's going to that's impact the pace of change when it comes to sustainable practices. Um, but ultimately, for me, uh, I think it's just, you know, it's just going to move in waves, but the trend line is, is really, really clear. The US is a, is a country which obviously, or a market which, which moves pretty quickly. The, the, the European market, you've also got consumers who are really... Um, aware and and there's been a lot of legislation around the way I mean you look at farming practices in countries like the Netherlands today where they're you know being forced to reduce um, production by up to 30 percent just to reduce agricultural emissions um, but you know really aware consumers um, and, and even uh, big markets today like China that, that we're selling into we're seeing sustainability starting to come to the surface of what's driving consumers' thinking and, and behaviors. And as I say, the, the, the inflationary pressure is going to mean that they're going to be looking for you know, cheaper options. And, and, and at times, you know, we're at the, at the more premium end of the market because we need to be and we should be. Um, but just that pace of change, I think, is, is going to continue. I do think that the number of emerging technologies and companies 
uh, and in particular around cultivated meats is interesting for us. I don't, I don't see that as a threat that we should resist. I think it, it's, it's allowing the conversation to surface and become um, you know, more valuable. It's helping to educate and, and allow people to think um, better about the, their food. But, but again, coming back to your previous question, just around you know, do we hold our course through good times and bad times? It's really important that we do. Uh, and our shareholders will question that. But so long as we, we've, we're maintaining the narrative and putting the, I, I think, the evidence up that this is the direction of travel that we have to maintain, um, the, the economic cycles that we go through uh, are yeah. inevitable, but the direction of travel for me is equally inevitable. So we've got to hold our course. No, I think that's, hey, that's hey. a great point. Yeah, go hey, ahead, hey, can, I build, can I build on something real sure. quick that Simon said Please. there? Because I actually think that was really a great statement by Simon when he said about through the good times and the bad. I think when we look back to the last couple of years, it's been challenging. Supply chain has been uh, a challenge for everybody, right? Um, I would stop short of calling it a mess. Maybe not be as, as strong as a mess, but it's been a challenge. You, know, we, you could make decisions to step away from practices. You could, have, you could have found an easier path to put product on the shelf. I know at Applegate, we did not. And it's nice to know that folks like Simon and other brands stayed the course, even if it's, if it might've cost you something at the end of the day or lost sales, you stayed the course because that's what you were true to. And I just wanted to call it out because it's, I think it's really important. That would have been a time for maybe for brands to pivot and maybe some did, but I think for the brands that stayed in it for the long course, because they, this is what we're focused on. I think it's, it's a commendable, it's a commendable thing. Yeah, I think the last three years I've had lots of curveballs and now inflation is a curveball that everybody is facing, right? Yeah. So consumers are going to make some trade-offs and, uh, and and trading out or trading down uh, behaviors that we're seeing. What, so talking about consumers, what does uh, success look like from a consumer perspective? How do you measure it? Success looks different to many different people. Um, you know, for us, one of the things that we've been most, uh, you know, proud of has just been our growth um, over the last couple of years. And you look at our households that we grew, you know, I know there's the old saying that consumers vote with their dollar. And I often have felt that that's overplayed a bit because that's not relevant to everybody. But I will say that through COVID and through where we are today with the inflation, people are making really hard decisions. But in our case, um, we've been fortunate that we have still continued our success and we've rapidly grown households. We've retained those households. And I think that's really important. And that's been one of our key measures when it comes to our consumers. Additionally, for us, as we've spent that time to make sure we continue to focus on growing our supply chain around our antibiotic-free um, our organic supply, and most recently with our entryway into regenerative agriculture. That's been a huge piece for us as we measure our success because people are responding to it. Um, we're starting to um, reap the rewards, but also understanding we have a large role to play in those key areas. And so our portfolio continues to shift um, and we keep seeing consumers move up from antibiotic-free into organic. And so organic, uh, you know, is a challenge in that uh, the supply, and, and we certainly could talk about that later on. Um, but you know, we're focused on continuing to grow that, and especially regenerative agriculture. We've jumped all in on it, and we're we're heavily involved in regenerative agriculture. And there's 
there's a lot of education, a lot of resources need to be spent against it because it's in the infancy stages of it, at least on our end, um, in driving awareness. And so that's been one of our measurement of success. Other areas, though, you know, we're part of Hormel's 20 by 30 goals. It's really 20 specific goals designed around supply chain, environmental, social, people. And we have measurements through those that we are a big contributor to, um, you know, uh, energy, water savings, et cetera. We play a part of that and we measure our success. One of the fun measurements though has been, and it's in development is Regen, where you get to, you actually get to measure the animal impact through the verification uh, of the land through our partners with Savory Institute. Um, it's exciting. Um, and we partnered with Kiss the Ground in the past and other great organizations to see what is our impact, what's that story we're gonna be able to tell I have these crazy ideas about what could reporting look like in the future? How would we share this information? You know, every hot dog you eat, you get X for it. And, and that's exciting to me uh, because it tells a story. And I don't know if that's going to be the party theme on a Friday night. Like, Hey, that hot dog you just ate, do you know, uh, maybe if you come to my house, which people may walk away from me, I get it, but you can see how excited we get about the possibilities. And I think through all that, Back to your question, Kay, that's how we're going to measure our success. We're going to know through the consumer and we'll also know through some measurables. We'll be able to make those, you know, uh, statements and claims in the future. Your passion comes through and you can practice this this weekend with Thanksgiving dinner. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to skip the turkey, go right to hot dogs. There, that's the move. I'm going to shock the world. Yeah. Simon? Uh, I'm How just enjoying listening to Joe. I, I think I think Joe, you and I should have dinner about once a month. We shouldn't have hot dogs. We should have carbon zero uh, red beef um, from uh, from you New Zealand. You can fly me down. Can... Fly me down anytime. I'm in. <laughs> no, I, it, in all seriousness, though, it, it is the the sort of partnerships that we need to make in market to to connect with consumers. You know, we're we're a long way from these consumers in New yeah. York City or you know wherever it may be. Um, but they exist, and and they exist with uh, in, an increasing market power from our perspective, which is so critical for us to 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 understand and respond to. Um, we're we're a, a really small producer at the end of the day. I mean, we're we're big from a New Zealand context, but New Zealand is small in the in the global context, and we represent mm-hmm. out of New Zealand about you know between one and two percent of the world's red meat. So it's critical for us that we're connecting with consumers who really understand what it is that we do in New Zealand and why our production systems are a little bit different than what they might have uh, understood. Um, and, and so telling that story is critical. Now, telling that story is really hard from the bottom of the world, uh, and particularly when you're, you're targeting a consumer group, which is probably relatively small. That suits us fine, but we need partners such as Applegate. We need customer distribution partners, people that are able to amplify our story and connect us with those um, channels to find those consumers. And so it's, a, it's an ecosystem that we need to build and cultivate that we don't own and we don't control, but that we do, you know, we, we, we do influence. Uh, and the ecosystem is, is around identifying the consumers, finding the, the customer, the partnerships and market which allow us to access them. Having some influence, I also think around the way some of the regulatory bodies and in particular in the US uh, helping us tell the story because the market is incredibly cluttered and confusing for consumers. They mm-hmm. get in front of the, the protein shelf, be it, you know, meats or dairy products or, you know, or dairy alternatives, whatever it may be, grass-fed, 
grass raised, pasture fed, pasture raised. There's just a whole myriad of challenges for them to, to understand. And it, it's frustrating for us when we know what we are, we know what we do, we know that we're 100%, uh, and yet we're, we're sort of lumped into a, a sea of, of confusion. So, yeah. so, you know, for us, making sure that our story comes out as amplified, our responsibility is to ensure that it also has integrity. And, you know, regenerative practices, the Savory Institute that, that Joe mentioned, these are all common um, themes that start to run through certain businesses who are heading in this direction. We think more about biodiversity today than we do about climate change. And I think that's mm -hmm. um, a really interesting concept, but I'm not sure how I'd expect the consumer to relate to a product which is deemed to be nature positive or you know, in, encompass biodiversity into it. They can sort of under, understand uh, you know, a net carbon zero product, which we launched this year, um, but, you know, how do we actually help them on the journey to, to, to really understand what it is that, that they're eating? Um, because it's a really cluttered market out there. Is there a particular persona of consumer who kind of, you know, drifts or migrates or is loyal to your products, uh, Simon? Yeah, you've look, done I research, think... yeah. Yes, and, and it's something that we're investing a lot more heavily in. I told you that, you know, um, about 10 years ago, we, we were probably yeah. sort of exporting over our shoulders a little bit blindly. Today, we, we have people in market and we're investing in consumer insight to, to ensure that we are understanding um, and connecting much more accurately. Um, but, you know, there, there are consumers who are drawn to, you know, pe people, first of all, they eat for the taste. That's the number one yeah. driver of consumer behavior. But then, you know, close second these days is the environmental impact, the nutritional benefits that they're deriving from the food. What is the animal welfare component? What is the social component? There's a whole raft of things now that we need to understand. And as I said earlier, you know, this proliferation of plant-based products and cult cultivated products, those made the, the, these conversations much um, louder and sharper. Uh, and whilst, you know, five years ago, if you'd asked me, we, we, we might have said, no, 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 we, you know, we need to push back. Today, I'm embracing it and saying, no, this is just good because the conversation is getting much more sophisticated. Joe, who is your consumer today and who do you think will be your consumer in 2030? Yeah, it's a great question. So we spent a lot of time uh, the last three years investing in consumer research. And a lot of it, kind of the basis was, yes, changing, changing environment, changing needs, and you're always trying to stay ahead and understand who your folks are, who your consumers are, but also where Applegate was and where we are today within stores, the online impact. And so we came back with really two key uh, consumer segmentations that we refer to often around here. And the first and foremost is our lovers, and we call them the conscious carnivores. And they are socially aware and they're environmentally conscious of their own lives. And they think really hard about their food choices and the, the brands that they choose. And so they, they particularly align with us. And then there's this group that we're seeking that they're, 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 uh, they're a little bit of the white whale. They're the health concerned meat limiters. Um, and so those are the folks that are starting to make some decisions based on personal health. Um, in some cases, environmental reasons for various different reasons. And so we're trying to talk to them more. We're trying to say, hey, we may be the brand that you're looking for that we can that you can resonate with, understanding you have a different set of um, uh, 
priorities in your life. And so, and health drives a lot of that for a lot of people. And it did the last couple of years when people start making decisions. That is a big yeah. group of consumers. And so as we go down this journey and we start to decide where we align, we're never going to move off of human health, healthy planet, animal welfare. We're, we're always in, we're always there. It's our principles. It's where we're founded. But we also want to make sure as we move along that journey that we reach those consumers, understand that maybe on Monday you are eating uh, a plant-based item, but understand the rest of the week you may choose to eat meat and choose clean meat and choose the right meat. And so we're going to keep working to attract those consumers in to our portfolio and, and help lift, boost uh, folks like Simon and, and others because we believe there is a story to tell on that side of the meeting and I, we're all better together as we push that message. How do you measure success? I, I think you've already answered in some different ways, but specifically, like, you know, some of these initiatives, whether it's organic supply uh, that you're trying to do or regenerative farming, like, you know, each of these initiatives, like, what are some of the milestones and goalposts that you, you make sure you're going to hit, or, you know, by certain things? For one thing that I always find peculiar, everything is 2030 or 2035 or 2050 sometimes, right? Well, Talk to us about that, yeah. For, for some of it, for us, uh, specifically to organic, um, as I mentioned, we want to move people up the ladder. Um, and, and organic uh, is complicated. And so um, to, to go back a little bit, so we have great partners like the OTA, the Organic Tree Association, and we work very closely with the National Young Farmers Coalition to promote organic and the standards and make sure we're properly aligned. But it is a huge journey for these farmers. Mm -hmm. I mean, if let's uh, let's talk turkey for a second. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it this way. So we're two days before Thanksgiving. So let's talk turkey. If I want to start an organic farm today and grow turkeys, it's likely if to do it correctly and build my own source of a feed. It's four years. I'm not putting a turkey on the table until 2026 because it's three years to become an organic farm, make sure you have the proper feed and then the growth life of the turkey. And so that's a challenge. So how do we measure our success against it is we start working to build, here's where the demand is going to be. We need to make sure that our system is built so we can supply. And so KK, if you go through both what we think is the current need or demand today, that's one thing. Then you layer on top of it, innovation or new items and new categories. And so our success is, can we build a system today in organic and then also parallel this with regenerative agriculture? Maybe one day they'll overlap. Today, they're separate, they're separate pathways for us. That's a huge internal measurement for us mm -hmm. because we need to grow the supply. Additionally, as I shared, we also have our own internal goals of some of these key measurements. Some are far in the future. Sustainable packaging is a difficult topic for us. We've made efforts to reduce packaging where we can, but being wet, uh, wet meats in a lot of cases, it's a challenge because of the grease and the fat, and there's really no good way uh, that's not uh, incredibly expensive today to process and recycle and reuse. That's, a, that's an internal goal of ours. We have a team, how do we focus on getting that done in a reasonable time frame? Because we joke a lot at Applegate, there's no easy days here. That's what you sign up for when you're a mission-based company. That's a really big challenge for us. And that's something we're going to tackle. It's not a stated goal because we need to get our hands around it. Because what we do, we want to be transparent. 
and we want to make sure uh, we walk the walk and talk the talk. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I mean, success, success is short and long term, and when it, when it comes to some of the environmental commitments, they're, they're, they're quite clear for us. We have short-term um, commitments. Some of those are directly linked to our, um, the, the finance facilities that we have in place. So we, we have a sustainability linked loan um, with our banking syndicate today. That is directly linked to some specific outcomes around farm assurance programs, around water usage, around energy and emissions, around waste. So they're, they're very specific and they're annual targets that we have to hit. We have some midterm targets around the, the uh, elimination of coal in our infrastructure. Sorry, it's a 2030 target to, to your point, KK, but 2030 is a, a good time frame. We'll do it before then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But th those, sort, those sort of targets are really important because it sets a stake in the ground that you actually have to then own. Um, so from an environmental perspective, there's some internally, there's some interesting stuff going on. From a, um, a domestic policy um, perspective, New Zealand has some real challenges given that um, over-indexing on agricultural greenhouse gas emissions. That's a really live conversation in New Zealand at the moment as to how we reduce our methane by 10% by 2030, but maybe up to 50% by 2050. That's a you know, that's an existential conversation for the New Zealand economy to, um, to lean into. That, that's really important. But, but that's, the, that's the environmental piece. Just coming back to the other two pillars of sustainability, the social one is just as equally uh, important mm -hmm. to me. We've got a, like most of the world at the moment, unemployment very, very low. We are competing for labour to, to, you know, to deliver to the markets what we're, what we're making promises that our ability to attract people into our industry and then to grow them and give them a pathway forward is really important. They come from a demographic which is relatively compromised. Uh, and, and for me, that social component is, is uh, a priority that I don't think we've taken seriously enough. And so I think that's gonna change. We're gonna really have to think differently about um, how we bring people into our, our community and how we um, incentivize them and build them as people and for generations to come. Uh, and similarly, our farming communities, the social impact of changing land use is having quite an impact on New Zealand where communities are actually shutting down. That's a, that's a phenomena around the world that we're going to have to understand, but agriculture supports small, uh, isolated communities, which are really important. And so that, that shift will be uh, an interesting one. And ultimately, the, just the third component, the economic measures of, of how successful we are we're investing, we're over-investing, we touched on it before, uh, the, the, the choices we made don't come uh, as a free hit, and so ultimately we do need to get a return on that investment, that only comes from the market, in my view, and it only comes from our success in responding to what the consumer's after, so that will be the, the true measure of our economic success and whether the, you know, these investments are, are moving us in the right direction. You've got multiple moving parts that you need to be able to assess and measure in a timely basis to ensure that you, you've got it about right. Because if you do one and don't have the other, uh, you know, ultimately you could, could trip up. So important, important to have those measures in place. That's very good. Simon, I'm going to skip you with you for one more question, right? What is the one thing that could help you the most outside of your initiatives, right? What do you uh, expect others, you know, to contribute, whether it's government, whether it's other companies, it's, you know, other countries, you know, what, what would help the mission, vision of what you're trying to do? 
I believe that New Zealand is too small for us to be competing at a domestic level when, when the true challenge is global. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes we get a little bit hung up on that and that slows us up. So greater collaboration is certainly something that we should be um, thinking of. And globally, I think that's the case as well. There are producers around the world, there are customers around the world who are like-minded. Building a, a broader ecosystem, allowing us to partner and move more quickly as a, you know, a collective with, a, with an aligned mindset, I, I really think is um, something that we have to work towards. The challenge with that is that not everyone moves at the same pace, and there are competitive interests in that that we we get hung up on. Uh, ultimately, you know, the, the end the end goal for me is is a prize which is so much greater than you know the short term. Did we win or mm-hmm. lose on that transaction? It's got to be you know not transactional, but very much collaborative in terms of how we're mm-hmm. we're thinking about the future and and, and finding like minded, progressive partners to to work with will be key. What about you, Joe? What is your one wish list, if you will, you know, if you were to get yeah. one? So the challenge to building organic and even regenerative agriculture is it's not a commodity. There has to be an end user for it. And we may take a part of part of part of an animal for this item. It's about for us, it's about carcass utilization, the full picture. And We've started down that path on the regenerative agriculture side where textile and other industries, dog food, others have helped us balance out the carcass. And so you take the hides for Timberland Shoes, which was one of our original partners, and then you're going to take the primals and you're going to go sell that to Kroger. And that is the way you can build it together. Because if we ask our farmers to to take on that risk, they're not going to take on that risk. They can't possibly make a living and offset some of their costs unless they know that that whole animal is going to be used. Um, and it's not often talked about, but I, I could, I see a pathway that where these industries are going to continue to work together. And that is going to build a sustainable system because there's so much we can do together. I'm with Simon. There is, there has to be partnerships to it. And at times you cross the line of peer companies, but also understanding there's an end goal in sight that we would all benefit from. And sometimes you need to hold hands on that, especially in our industry where you're starting maybe smaller or you may not have the same um, financial goals. Sometimes those have to set aside for a second to understand that we have a, have an end purpose that is much higher um, than just being each other up on shelf in 4th of July on hot dog pricing or, yeah. or bacon sales or whatever there there is an end there is an end result that we have to focus on yeah i mean if this is the cost that people can rally around what what else could they right do you think sustainability is going to kind of get into another trajectory right i mean i think we just landed on moon or circling blue moon recently like that is there one more uh, velocity uh, driving you know uh, thing going to go happen in, in terms of sustainability If I look at where we are today, um, we've all seen from an environmental impact disasters across the world. And some of them are so shocking. And we've also seen impacts to our society and some horrific events. We tend to, at least here in the United States, react to very shocking events and we rush to make a change. 
when it comes to the environmental impact, what are we waiting for? I don't need another three to five years to tell us that we need to do something. We've heard repeatedly um, about our soil health and our overuse of farming and the impact we had. I mean, topsoil used to look like this, now it looks like this. And, and I, it doesn't matter what the statistic is. So KK, I hear 2050, I'm putting out, I'm playing off your words, but I hear 2050 or I hear 60 more harvests. There's all these different sites. I don't care if it's 30 years or 60 years, we got a problem. And so it's like, what are we going to respond to? So yes, I believe through whatever your pathway is to sustainability, whether it's environmental, social, our people, our animals, I do believe we're at a turning point. I just hope we're not waiting for another shock in all moments. Um, and I do believe there are a lot of companies that are on the right path. And yes, their goals may be eight years out, but I'm, I can also be comfortable with that's your goal. As long as you're going to deliver against it, I'm okay with it because it at least shows that you're going to make a difference. And we're going to slowly turn this ship. And so, yeah, we're at a critical moment. I like, I just hope we're not waiting for the next horrible event to happen because that tends to be the way we respond to things. We touched on it earlier, the, the economic um, handbrake that um, progress um, suffers from and and we're probably leaning into that and the consumer again the consumer will vote with their dollar um, based on the affordability of of what they'd like to buy but what they can afford to buy uh, so I, I think that's an inevitable sort of ebb and flow that we're going to encounter but for me the trend line is is still very very clear I think Joe has said it well um, I, I think we are understanding the impacts I think we're understanding the interdependence uh, a lot more clearly. Um, breaking it down, uh, you know, it, it, what we tend to do is we, we, we pick, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm talking about human, <laughs> human beings, we, we, we sort of pick a, a problem and we, we go to solve it. And the problem that we're trying to solve at the moment is climate change uh, and, and greenhouse gas emissions. I think what we're learning is that there is a greater sort of a biodiversity um, conversation that needs to happen in terms of the interdependency mm -hmm. of the environment, of the social networks that um, we, we need to be addressing a myriad of issues collectively and, uh, you know, collectively as, as groups of people and collectively as groups of issues uh, that, that will make the change. I just think that depth of understanding is continuing to evolve. Um, because when we address, address issues in isolation, we tend to create consequences that um, you know, create other issues then for us to, 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 to grapple with. So I, I do feel as though the, the direction of travel, the, the pace of change um, will only accelerate. Um, my, my biggest concern is our ability to, to act uh, collaboratively and understand the interdependence. And I guess you know, some of the political decisions that we're seeing in, in the last week coming out of the, the COP meeting, mm -hmm. it's frustrating. Um, and that's why the leadership that the likes of Applegate are showing and other companies around the place is so important, but that we, you know, for us to get aligned um, just feels really critical to me. This is awesome. So I'm loving it. This is wonderful. Simon, we're definitely connecting. So just keep that in the back of the mind. I would just add, um, none of this is possible without our farmers. And there continues to be a challenge for these incredible people and even for conventional farming, they're great people. They're awesome people. 
it's a journey, it's a process. Without 95% of our food comes from soil. Do you think about that? What they do for us is nothing short of remarkable. They are the supply chain, they are the food source. And so I hope too, as part of this sustainable journey that we're all on, I hope over time that people recognize and respect our farming network and what they do for us. Because somehow, some way over time, they've been pushed to the side when they actually should be the people standing in front. Simon? Oh, look, Joe's stolen my thunder, but um, it feels as though we've been bouncing back and forward um, for the last hour, Joe. I really enjoy it. I mean, we, we are Silverfern Farms. We think of ourselves as farmers. We're owned by farmers. There are 13,000 in our community who contribute to, to what we do. But Joe's 100% right. If, if the producer is not capable of, of producing for whatever reason going forward, then people aren't getting fed. Uh, and... For me, my job is bringing the consumer and the producer as close together as I can and making the, you know, that, that connection as, as tight and as short as I can, disintermediating all of the noise in between and making sure that those two communities can come together as closely as they can. It's difficult when you live 20,000 kilometres from most of your key markets. At the same time, it feels pretty easy when we've got good partnerships around the place, good technology to, to communicate with, but our farmers... You know, our progressive farmers are incredible. They think about multiple generations. They think of the generations that have come before them and they think about the generations ahead. They love their land. They love their animals. They want to do a good job. Uh, and they're looking for guidance as, what it is, as to what it is that they need to be doing. They're not all thinking that way, but our progressive ones are and they're our leaders and they're the ones that we need to be celebrating. Thank you so much, uh, Joe and Simon. Really appreciate uh, your participation. Simon, Joe, and KK, thank you for that amazing insight. I can't believe how fast time flew. In fact, we almost covered an hour out of all that. I'd like to recap a few of the things I heard today, because what I heard today was something in, in some ways is life-changing for me in, ter in terms of understanding sustainability and understanding the challenges your companies have navigated. But for those of you in the audience, I, I really hope you felt the passion and the power behind their conversation. These are two executives sharing their deepest core values, but also exactly about how their companies operate successfully in the marketplace. And to feel that kind of passion and to feel that, um, that sharing, it became really clear to me that this isn't about business as usual. It's about doing business in a new way for the challenges coming down. And you know, when Joe and, and Simon talked about it, not being transactional, but being collaborative, and the idea that there's people outside the industry that make a difference. Joe talked about you know, Timberland as part of total carcass utilization, how to use the whole animal um, in a positive way when you're raising an animal under different practices. Um, a lot of powerful insights that came out of there. But also what struck me was that they're very similar in a lot of ways. While Silverfern used terms to describe sustainability that were different a little bit than Applegate, the common themes held you know, the idea that the impact of planet, you know, and whether it's economic or environmental, that part's there. Both talked about people, not only their employees, but also consumers in the marketplace. And that idea that businesses have a broader impact than just profit and loss, the, the impact from a social side in terms of building jobs and having jobs that are meaningful. 
And of course, both talk very clearly about animal welfare and animal health. So the idea of planet people and, and animals all making a difference um, became part of that sustainability message. So more and more, I think it's become clear that sustainability isn't one thing, it is many things wrapped around. You know, what I've also kind of heard is both companies have committed to totally transforming their businesses and their business model. KK tapped into that through some of those questions, but it became clear that this isn't just a set of initiatives to make their business better or to operate differently. They've thought about it all the way from the farm back. Joe shared the idea that it takes four years to build an organic turkey farm from scratch. And Simon talked about the 10-year journey that his company's been on since they have embraced this approach. It's not just doing a few things well or having a list of sustainable practices. They've built it all the way from the farm to the supermarket shelf. And you can tell from the power and the energy in their voices that everything in their business is geared towards driving a certain kind of product to the consumer and who values it and who's looking for it. And you heard a little bit about who's buying it as well. Um, not only today, but probably in the future, you know, from both of them. But they did share some of the challenges that it's not easy that in terms of seeing the benefits. Simon talked about waves, benefits come in waves. And that's an important concept that it's not just having a constant growth path going forward, but some things come really fast, some things take a while. And both of them talked about that willingness of consumers to pay coming up in the next couple of years. Inflation's hit hard. People are making tough decisions all, all over. And as a result, you know, what happens in the next few years matters, but you could hear from both leaders that they are totally committed to the path they're on. And I think that's the reason they've been successful for, for quite a long time. Um, but most importantly, this is two companies not only sharing their their philosophy but sharing how they operate and it's not just sort of two two companies sharing some top level principles it's really a call to action an action that has a you know action that has a roadmap for all um, everything from values to mission to to the entire business model and this becomes one of the most important parts is a takeaway that we can all look to make a difference here in the world and um, I'm grateful to Simon, Joe, and KK for this amazing conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it. And I hope you all had some great takeaways for your own businesses coming out of that. For our listeners and viewers, this recorded conversation will, will be available at our website, iriworldwide.com. We hope you'll take an opportunity to review our other thought leadership, including valuable reports and a dashboard of economic indicators. Have a wonderful day and a great rest of the week.